if I could do life differently, which I can't, I, you know, would hope that I could embrace well-being and like grace before it got to the place where I just was screaming, I can't do it. I'm just stopping completely. Um, and I think that's a symptom of burnout and a number of things, but that said, I don't regret the experience at all because it, um, it has changed my life for the better. And a lot of what that has meant for me is, um, knowing that, that I have value apart from my work and, um, accepting my limitations and my mistakes as learning experiences. Um, it kind of had this mindset of all or nothing because I, I was good at achieving and, and that the good part about it was that it was a driving factor to, to accomplish a lot of things. Um, but the dark side of it was, um, that it was hard for me to accept, um, mediocre as being okay. And I've really had to learn that, that I'm human. And as a human, I have the same limitations as my friends, brothers, and sisters that are human. And that includes needing sleep. That includes um, needing to take breaks. That means that it's not always on the treadmill, on the on switch. It also means taking time to, to relax and sit on the couch or journal and like <laughs> slow down, that both things are good. Listening to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast, the exploration of life fully optimized with Megan Hotman. Hey, Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast listeners, welcome back. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Relish Studio. Check them out on the web at relishstudio.com. They are a digital marketing firm devoted to purpose-driven business leaders, and their goal is to guide and support their customers as they realize the full potential of marketing to fuel both business and personal growth. Speaking from personal experience, I have worked with Relish on websites, logo design, and in fact, the editing of this very podcast. I can't say enough about them. And my friend Stu is just a wonderful human. He is totally in alignment in terms of environment and sustainability, two things I'm very passionate about. And in fact, their entire business is a 1% for the planet partner which means they're giving back a percentage of their revenue to environmental causes and organizations. I just love these guys. I can't say enough about them. If you decide to check them out and you want to hire them for a new job, make sure you mention the Maximum Enthusiasm podcast to them, and they will offer you a 10% discount off of their normal rate on their first engagement with you. Check them out, relishstudio.com. Hey, Maximum Enthusiasm listeners, welcome back. Today finds me battling a solid head cold, um, but that didn't slow me down for this interview with my friend Danielle, an attorney, a mom, a runner, a wife, just an overall badass uh, achiever up in the Madison, Wisconsin area. She's based in Verona, 
And I was really excited when she reached out about being on the podcast because I think that her story is super powerful and it's not one that everyone's always willing to share, um, and which is why it makes it so important to be told and to be heard. So I've asked her to kind of walk us through her journey when she reached a point where being a lawyer, being a mom, being a wife, being a, a woman who keeps her house clean and just being an achiever and athlete, um, when those things all kind of converged and uh, she she waved the white flag and said, I, I need some help. I need to restructure things because this isn't working for me, which I just think is such a powerful and courageous gesture of self-love and self-care. And I personally believe that if more people in our society were doing that and sort of pushing pause and saying, this isn't working for me, I need to restructure, I need to reevaluate, um, we might have a healthier society and a healthier culture these days. Um, so she walks us through that whole journey and that process and gives us some really great insights and some really great tips and tricks. And I'm so thankful for her willingness to share. I also want to say thank you to Campus Cycles again for coming on as a new sponsor of the show. Campus Cycles is based in Denver and you can visit them in their physical store or you can visit them online at campuscycles.com. They are offering right now through Valentine's Day a service special where their tune-ups are discounted. So definitely check out our show notes about that and uh, visit them online or give them a call if you want to get your bike in, have it serviced before the rush of everyone getting bike service happens in the spring. Thanks so much and have a great day, you guys. Well, good afternoon, Miss Danielle. Welcome to the Maximum Enthusiasm podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you, Megan. And for our listeners' benefit, let us know where you are calling in from. So I'm calling in from a town outside of Madison, Wisconsin, the capital of Wisconsin, and I'm in a suburb, Verona. And you are at a law office that you have helped create and design, yes? Yeah. So um, my law firm is Hawks Quindell. I have five other partners, um, but the big event that happened last about a year ago was opening this new space in Verona in my hometown about uh, less than a mile away from my home. And this uh, second office or satellite office, whatever we'll call it, kind of the main headquarters is in downtown Madison you're in this satellite office that you've created out in Verona. What about that space is so special for you? Oh my, well, it's a long <laughs> kind of drown, drown out journey, but um, for me, it's my space. It's a place that um, was a dream, kind of like a pipe dream, I guess, um, that I didn't realize was, brewing inside of me for probably five years or more, uh, but I kind of kept ignoring it. And it seemed so um, unattainable compared to the reality I was living in that um, it was something I hoped for, but something I couldn't see it happening. So um, the fact that I'm actually sitting here in my satellite office that I always dreamed of um, it just, it kind of speaks to what we as humans can accomplish kind of with the right mindset and the right supports in life. Um, so 
So yeah, it, it actually, it means a lot to me to be here. Super special. And I got to kind of witness the unfolding of that journey with you, which was so cool uh, as the outsider looking in and just kind of watching you follow the breadcrumbs of your intuition and your inner knowing. And um, you spoke to something there where you said it's something that's actually been kind of an itch or a nudge or something that I, I've known for, I think you said five years. Right. Um, as the guest who I think is most qualified to talk about following her intuition. This is exactly why I wanted to have you on the show. Um, And for our listeners benefit, Danielle, I I think it's obvious, but she's an attorney. She's also a mom of three kids. She's a wife. She's super involved in her community and her church and with her kids activities. Um, She's a runner. She pretty regularly uh, participates in her local running club runs. And so she's quite busy, (laughs) multifaceted, wears a lot of hats. Yes. And, and what does that look like, Danielle, when someone who's got a lot going on realizes that something isn't right in her life? What does that talk us through that? Yeah. So, um, where I'm sitting today is, is very different from where I was a year ago and kind of my journey leading up to what I call like my break or breakdown. Um, I've always been an achiever. I mean, straight A student in high school, doing show choir, basketball, soccer, like just everything, you know, maybe it was fear of missing out, but I also just enjoyed doing a lot of different things. Um, but I think the danger in that is that you can lose your why and just kind of be a people pleaser and do the things to keep achieving, like for achievement's sake, without knowing why you're doing them. So backtracking to um, my mental breakdown, I had had my third kid in April of 2021, continued as a partner in my firm to try to um, practice kind of part-time while on maternity leave, while my son was in the NICU, um, just tried to check all the boxes. and and I was I was not sleeping well, go figure with a newborn, but I was also sacrificing quite a bit um, in terms of trying to get my legal work done and trying to do it all well and perfect and wear all of those hats. And I don't, you know, I don't know that I had my why other than that's what you do. Like that was kind of my value is um is doing everything well. Like if I didn't do it well and I didn't do all these things, who was I? Like I was a failure. So um, this all came toppling down when uh, I couldn't keep up anymore. Um, Having, trying to do briefs perfectly and staying up all night to get them done. And then also trying to be the best mom I could to my newborn and stay fit and keep the house clean. Like it just... I hit a breaking point where I, something had to give, but I didn't even know what that something was because I would self-identify as looking back now as a perfectionist. And um, I got to a place where I was just, my body was screaming, you can't do it. And I would, it, it felt like I hit a wall and I needed I couldn't keep working. (laughs) I was just having a mental breakdown. Um, 
and it came to a place where I, I basically decided I needed to quit my job. Um, and, but it was clearly a much deeper issue than that. And so I decided with help from my husband to just take a leave of absence. And I would say that as silly as it sounds now, that was like the scariest thing that I've done in my life is to say, I can't do this. Um, as someone who had always been able to check the boxes and keep going to completely stop and have everyone else step in and take over my cases and just take a break. That was really scary. So much good stuff there. I have like a million follow-up questions. Um, I know you said earlier before we started recording that you felt like you didn't have a choice when I was complimenting you on really honoring your internal nudges and intuition. Um, And maybe it felt that way that you really didn't have a choice, but I just want to applaud you publicly for taking care of yourself um, as scary and hard as it was because we just unfortunately see too many people who push that envelope even further until something really badly implodes and right. so I'm, I'm super thankful that you had support and that you right. asked for what you needed and you leapt into something terrifying and scary but it's turned into such a powerful beautiful message I know you've been sharing it with female attorneys and you know, this isn't that long ago. This is, this is 14 months in your rear view mirror. Right. Having been through all that and now being in a place where you seem pretty happy and you didn't quit your job. Right. Um, what, what advice would you give for people and particularly the high achieving women listening, but, but to anyone who says, Oh man, I'm sensing some of what she's talking about. Well, one, don't let it get to that place. Like if I could do life differently, which I can't, I, you know, would hope that I could embrace well-being and like grace before it got to the place where I just was screaming, I can't do it. I'm just stopping completely. Um, and I think that's a symptom of burnout and a number of things, but that said, I don't regret the experience at all because it, Um, it has changed my life for the better. And a lot of what that has meant for me is, um, knowing that, that I have value apart from my work and, um, accepting my limitations and my mistakes as learning experiences, um, kind of had this mindset of all or nothing because I I was good at achieving and, and that the good part about it was that it was a driving factor to, to accomplish a lot of things. Um, but the dark side of it was, um, that it was hard for me to accept, um, mediocre as being okay. And I've really had to learn that, that I'm human. And as a human, I have the same limitations as my friends, brothers, and sisters that are human. And that includes needing sleep. That includes um, needing to take breaks. That means that it's not always on the treadmill, on the on switch. It also means taking time to to relax and sit on the couch or journal and like (laughs) slow down that both things are good. And so um, I, I think it's, it's now 
the journey I'm on is kind of a reframing of my mind of when I set the bar really high and I start to feel like I'm not, um, those voices are saying I'm not good enough or I just need to hit this level to step back and say, no, in the present moment, I am, I'm valuable. Like life and love and like all of that belongs right here with me in the present moment, even though things are incomplete, even though, um, you know, I made a, made a mistake or an error on something that I'm still valuable here, here today. Um, and if, if my lifestyle is getting to a place where it's destructive and really, um, kind of speaking the opposite to me in my behavior, that, that something's off that that's not what we're designed for. And I know, Megan, you've said, like, does a baby have value? And absolutely, it has value. Um, and it's beautiful, even though, you know, it can't do much. And yet there are areas where the baby needs to grow and develop. And it's it's all within its time and within its season. And I think before kind of the old me thought, well, as an adult, I should have it all together. You know, as an attorney, I should have it all together. As a mom, I should have it all together. Um, and if I don't, I'm a failure. And like the journey of life, we all have more to learn and grow on. And so um, it's an uncomfortable space for me to be in, but I think it's the the life-giving space, like the grace-giving space that I need for myself um, and helps me in my relationships as well. Super powerful experience, Cher. Thank you for, for that. And I think my next question is probably the same one on listeners' minds, which is what are some of the guardrails or processes that you have implemented? You mentioned just being present, journaling, um, even just observing, being able to observe some of the thoughts in your head, whereas maybe before they just kind of ran you, now you can at least sort of identify them and, and name them. But what are some of the other big things you've done to kind of reorient your life um, so that it doesn't get off track on you again? Or how, what do you what do you notice? What are some of the like check engine lights that come on for you if something's off? Well, a big one is sleep. Um, we've you know, our kids go to sleep fairly early, 7.30 or 8. And after that, we're not, um, I'm not going back to work on my computer. I'm not doing, aside from putting dishes away, I'm not, you know, doing chores. Like sleep is a huge priority for me. And um, that's in part because during that dark season, I couldn't sleep even when I wanted to. Um, and it was, it was a miserable place to be. And so sleep had to become a top priority um, and I've noticed, you know, the, I did one time, <laughs> um, I'd say in the last year, I tried to squeeze in some work before I went to bed. And what do you know, you know, after I work, my adrenaline's going, um, I may stop working at 11, but I can't get to sleep till one because I, my mind is racing. And then I had a couple really low days again after that. Um, so it was kind of the check engine light of, no, you can't go there. Cause I know that I can't be in the place that I was 14 months ago. Um, so that is something that's really protected. Um, the other thing is, um, having healthy guardrails around work. Um, I think part of 
the issue involved COVID and that there were boundaries, you know, working from home, my computer was accessible and so was my laundry. So it all just kind of blurred together. And so now um, I knew, I learned that I needed an office. I needed a place to go to work, get my work done. Um, but when I go home, work's, work's turned off. Like I'm making dinner, I'm with my kids um, and I've had to retrain myself that that's okay. That if things are incomplete, the work will be there tomorrow and I'll probably be able to do it more efficiently or with a clear head, do it better tomorrow than trying to respond on my phone to emails while my kids are also asking questions. So those are probably the two big ones um, that are different from where I was a little over a year ago. And that can be super hard to your point about work when you are self-employed um, as you are. I mean, effectively as a partner of a law firm, you are the boss and the employee both, and you have people that report to you and you make, um, you know, law firm ownership decisions, not just uh, lawyering decisions on files. You wear multiple hats there. And um, along those lines, I know that you've been speaking more openly about this experience at some of the women's bar events. Why do you feel so called so strongly to share this experience? Is this a sense that you have? This is fairly frequent in our women's legal community? Yeah, and I think just as women in general, as moms, um, you know, now looking back, I realized that the soundtrack playing beneath the most conscious thoughts that I was having was that I'm not enough, that the soundtrack playing was, well, she's a stay-at-home mom, so she, she's got her shit together, and I don't because I work. Um, but then at work, the soundtrack uh, was playing was, I'm not as good as my partners because they don't have the commitments that I have at home and I have to leave for this childcare responsibility. And so I'm not a good lawyer. So that was playing in multiple areas of my life where it was humanly impossible to be a stay-at-home mom full-time and <laughs> a full-time partner. Like that's just not consistent or attainable. And I think that as women, unfortunately, that's that's very common to have that soundtrack, no matter what role we're in, um, just that we're not enough or there was is more we can be doing. And so um, as women lawyers, who many of us have children and are practicing law, I think it's really important that we give ourselves grace and um, kind of laugh at our mistakes instead of beating ourselves up over them and that we're very careful um, to compare ourselves to our colleagues or our male colleagues because we are bringing so much value just by having our life experiences as mothers, as women, um, we are bringing so much value and and we really don't need to be beating ourselves up um, when we make a mistake or when we're less than perfect. You know, our <laughs> our male colleagues seem not to struggle with that quite as much. <laughs> so um, I, I don't know. I just I want to be open and vulnerable about my weaknesses um, just to like give myself permission that it's OK to not show up not to feel like I have to show up as my perfect self and that I'm still accepted in this community. 
I hope that um, other women feel the same, that they can bring their authentic selves. They don't have to check off, you know, leave their the fact that they're a mom at the door when they come to be a lawyer. They can still be a mom. And I think up until this breakdown, I really felt like I could only bring part of myself to work. Like if I was a good lawyer, that meant that I had to pretend I wasn't a mom when I was at work. That's a super interesting insight. Um, and as you alluded to, you have all male partners and you, um, I think it's five male partners, right? And you. Correct. Um, have some of the women in some of the events where you've shared this uh, given you examples or stories or, or probably more commonly just said like, thank you for sharing this because we feel the same way, but no one's talking about it. Yeah, so the last event I spoke at, I I received a lot of um, positive feedback, and admittedly, it's still hard for me to accept compliments, like, oh, they didn't really mean that, they're just being nice, like, no, Danielle, they mean it, like, they're not just being nice, so here we go, this is me. Um, uh, what was the question, though? Um, oh, other lawyers, so we had multiple Supreme Court justices at our last women's caucus speak. And um, one of the questions to them was, have you ever felt like I just can't do it? There's no way I can do this. And and they were, they all responded with a resounding yes. Like, hell yeah. Like pulling my hair out. Yeah. And um, you know, their kids are older than mine, but I see they were saying, I see them graduating from college. I see them, you know, graduating from high school and I guess I did okay, <laughs> you know? And that's, that's a, the justice of our Supreme Court with that same kind of imposter syndrome and doubt about their ability to, to be where they are and, and to also be a mother and a woman. And so um, it, it, it seems to be a very common thread. Yeah, we, at the end of the day, we all put our pants on one leg at a time, right? Right. Um, but for some reason, we forget that when we look around and we feel like everyone else has it figured out and we're the ones that like didn't get the memo. Um, right. It's very isolating and lonely. Absolutely. Uh, especially in this profession where, to your point earlier, we we really are kind of asked to act as though we always have it all figured out. Um, right. A lot of what our clients are subscribing to, quite frankly, is our confidence. And, right. Um, and it, you know, the bravado and whatnot runs quite rampant in this profession. And so uh, vulnerability is becoming more and more um, a trait that we're all bringing to the forefront. But um, right. that's been a slow movement that direction. I think it is making the profession better as people share more and more. I know you have um, two daughters, right? And then your youngest right. is, is a little boy. And right. so... Um, you know, there, there are ways yet from entering the workforce, but what would you hope that, that this experience or however you're talking about it with your girls, how would you hope that they will find themselves in the workforce when it's their time? What do you hope that that will look like? What's your message to our young women out there? Yeah, I think two words came to mind. The first was healthy. Like what I've learned is just I'm a better mom when I'm taking care of myself first. And so um, all this pressure I had to sacrifice completely for my kids was was silly. Like it made me a cranky mom, you know? So um, kind of giving myself grace and 
allowing myself to take care of myself and, and then take care of them, put my oxygen mask on first, I think it's good for everyone. Um, so I hope that when young women go to the workforce, they, they know themselves well and they take care of themselves because that will be good for everyone at work and everyone at home um, rather than you know trying to meet the needs of everyone around them. Just focus on taking care of yourself. <laughs> Um, and then the other one is confidence, um, just for them to embrace who, who they are as women. I can see that having two daughters, that they're not the same. They have different giftings and different personalities, and they're both beautiful in that way. And so I hope that, um, they can stand confidently in the ways that they're wired and, uh, who they are and and not be afraid to be different. Because I think, again, that was another thing that I didn't realize I was doing. But on reflection, I have five male partners. And I think I believe that I had to be like the men to succeed. And while I can take some, some tips, some strategies, some of their successes and use those as a model for myself, I didn't have to leave my femininity at the door. Um, and it was okay to be different. I didn't, you know, I could have a different opinion or um, a different view on a problem. And it didn't mean it was wrong. It was just different. And so I hope that my children, my girls can embrace their, their personal and unique outlook in life and bring that to the workforce because it's going to need that perspective and that individuality um, in their unique femininity when they enter the workforce. Yeah. And speaking of health, you have done some pretty rad, uh, running events most recently ran a marathon. And then I think there was a half marathon last fall and you're just really great about carving out that time for your runs either, um, before, during your lunch break or after work or on your weekends. And I'm not a mom, but my, observance of mothers is that that making time for oneself to go do the healthy thing is much harder than it looks. Um, each time you chose to go on a run, you knew you were going to be a better human and a better mom. And yet I don't think that that makes it any easier. Um, but you've done it and it worked and it's good for you and it's good for your family. So what are your tips for the women who, who know that they need to make time for themselves and their health and they want to do so. And yet that like either mom guilt or just the million things on the to-do list that are never done gets in the way. Um, what would you suggest? Mom guilt is real. Um, and yet don't let it stop you. I am a better mom when I take care of myself, when I, go for my run, clear my head, and then can bring my full self home and be fully present with my kids and have renewed energy. Um, yeah, if I don't run for for days on end, like I get cranky. And my kid that doesn't serve my kids either. So um, again, it's along the, the theme of take the time, take the half an hour, take that hour to, to meet your needs and then go home and be fully present. And I think that's brought a lot of joy to my life and it helps me to enjoy my kids. And then in turn, they enjoy me. So um, 
Yeah, I, I think it's worth it. Like this is um this is a long ride of life. It's not it's not short term, hopefully. And so um kind of taking that long view of doing the half an hour to an hour a day for yourself, um, it's gonna pay dividends on the back end. Um and I guess I've learned too, my kids are, my kids are resilient. Like all the, the thoughts in my head about the guilt and they're not going to be okay. Um, they're, they're fear. They're not real. So um, my husband and I went to Miami. It's the first time we were gone for four days away from the kids. And I have had so much anxiety leaving and you know, the biggest fear, we're going to die. And then they're not going to have a mom and <laughs> go to the worst places. But we had a great time and they had a great time with their grandparents. And um, none of my fears came true. <laughs> so it's a good thing. So I just, yeah, women, we got to take care of ourselves um, and kind of uh, fill the bucket, as they say, and then come back to our kids and um, and give what we can. I, I know your little man's maybe too young to articulate this, but your daughters probably are old enough. I'm curious what feedback they've given you in this last 14 months about, you know, like, wow, mom, I've noticed X, like you're more fun to be around or you're not on your, or like, what's the feedback they've given you? Um, so I think the scary thing was in my dark time, I, I didn't realize it, but um, looking back, like I see that I snapped more easily and that I, I was cranky or just not present. Um, and they, I think I see it not in what they say explicitly, but almost in their own behavior. Cause our kids observe, absorb, our own kind of tension and anxiety and mood. And so I think I actually was more hearing in my youngest daughter and my middle child, her say things that were very snippy um, or cold. And, and that was a wake up call that wow, she's repeating what she hears. Like she's learning that from me. And so they haven't said explicitly, mom, you know, you're so much happier, but I think I can see the tension decrease in them and just hear their words, which are reflective of how I'm interacting with them. So less panic from my middle child um, when a couple of years ago, she would panic over very little, little things that I probably was panicking over as well. That's a really huge revelation. Um, basically, you taking care of yourself has brought more ease into the household. That's Correct. super powerful. I really hope everyone hears that. Yeah. Our energy does affect those around us, doesn't it? And yeah. whether you're a mom or not, we all fall into this martyr pattern of um, I would call it self-sabotage where we sacrifice ourselves for the sake of X, whether it's a relationship you're in, whether it's for your kids, whether it's for your job. And we, we think that everyone's watching us as we're suffering and somehow we're earning like brownie points for it. Right. Um, and the truth is that everyone's so focused on the, their own selves. They, they could care less what you've got going on, but then we're all just kind of coming undone. Right. 
Absolutely. I know it's been really important for you as you've created this second office in Verona to create an environment where um, everyone in your firm, of course, but especially some of the female members of the team are um, really just comfortable and and really can thrive in their work time. Um, what's What have you noticed with that? What are you, what's the feedback you're getting there? And what, what advice would you give to people about how to design a really beautiful and safe workspace? Um, I think some of it has to do with being female in what felt like a male dominated work environment. Um, and that we have a sacred space where we might operate slightly differently. There might be a little more chit chat, but we're still super productive. Um, and it was, it's just nice to have this space to be free um, in our conversation, um, to bounce ideas off each other without feeling stupid or like our ideas are shot down or, or someone knows more than us. It's just open, open for feedback and dialogue. Um, and that's not to say that we didn't have that in our other space. It's just, I think, um, with diversity, it's, it's, it's nice to have like a, an affinity group or a safe space where like-minded people can speak openly and speak the same language, um, without, without fear of criticism or repercussion from that. Um, and then for me, it, it's, it's just about modeling, um, what I value kind of living that out and, and not feeling like I have to hide that. So if I value, you know, health and I go for a run, like that's fully embraced as a part of our work day. And, um, you know, I'm not going to judge the people next to me who are also taking care of themselves. I want them to take care of themselves, um, in this environment because it's going to make us all, all better and more productive. So I think there's a lot of, um, freedom and autonomy in this, in this workspace, um, and just general interest in success, like everyone's well-being. Like we just, um, we want, we want, we all succeed when the other person succeeds. So, um, we want the best and there's no babysitting or, you know, breathing down one's neck, but let's all work together on these common goals. I know that's been really important to you because, um, yes, it's a job and we go to work to earn a paycheck. Um, but, and you also really felt strongly that you wanted the members of your firm to thrive. And particularly in this time of sort of the great resignation, when people are leaving jobs right and left, you wanted to make it a space that, um, would retain the talent, uh, because they like coming to work. I know that's just been a really high priority for you and it seems to really be paying off. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I would say so. I would say our team is kind of finding a rhythm um, around the cases we're taking and figuring out what, how to work together on those cases. Um, but, but part of the success has to do with also allowing enough autonomy for each individual to practice and, and do what they do best um, and allowing that 
for each person to thrive in their role on the team. When you realized that things weren't going well for you and um, you kind of hit a point, it sounds like, where you realized you needed some external intervention, you needed some help, um, you weren't, you, I think you kind of raised your white flag and said, I need, I need to call an audible here. Um, I know that you had your husband's support and your partner's support. Was there someone else like a counselor or therapist or a road that you went down that you would highly recommend people pursue if they find themselves in that spot or anytime really? Yeah, I think it required multiple interventions, but that did include first telling the person closest to me, my husband, like I got to a point where I said, I can't even communicate my needs. I don't even fully know what I need. I'm going to need, all I know is I need you to do it for me because I'm, I'm struggling. Um, but then getting a counselor, so a therapist and a psychiatrist involved um, for my mental health was critical. Um, they're the experts and they can also communicate with my employer um, what's going on better than I can. So I think that that is key for anyone to get plugged into the uh, medical field for help. And then um, I reached out to you, Megan, and it was it was very helpful to have a life coach, to have someone not just reflect on the past, but also look to the future. Like, what what are you doing with your life without any judgment, but kind of what is important to you? And let me reflect back some strategies for you to get where you want to go. Um, just to have someone in your life that has no ulterior motive and just wants to see you succeed. Um, I couldn't recommend that enough. Um, getting a life coach, getting someone in your court. And it couldn't be my spouse, right? Because he has too much, there's too much overlap with the things he needs and with our kids. It needed to be someone that could look objectively and give me some guidance. Um, so that was extremely helpful. And then, um, you know, you plugged me into Cody with coaching for running, which was another huge benefit, I think. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty independent and stubborn, so I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like I want to have to lean on other people. Um, but it's just amazing that when you let other people into your life to provide that guidance and um, support, how much further you can go than if you were doing it on alone, alone. Because I can honestly say that I wouldn't be sitting here in this office without Megan's help and her coaching and support in those times where all the doubts um, flood our brain and to have someone objective say, no, you're not crazy. Like that's, that's an admirable goal. <laughs> Here's some practical steps you can take to get closer to your goal. Um, because those, you know, it, it almost seems like the closer we get to making our dreams come true, the louder those doubts get about how crazy we are. And so we need someone outside of us to give us a reality check and, and <laughs> let us know if we're crazy. But in this case, no, you're not having someone just say no, and here's some practical things you can do. Um, so as much as <laughs> I grew up an only child, so as much as like this only child who thinks she can do it on her own, wants to do it on her own, it's just not the case. Like 
the most rewarding things, you know, I've done have been with other people. Those are some great tips. And I personally, if I had my way, would have every lawyer working with both a therapist and a coach and also some form of fitness or health coach too. I think that team of three as a trifecta with the the licensed therapist or counselor who can actually, you know, really do the deep therapy work that that requires a degree and 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 or can possibly write medication prescriptions and really tackle kind of the medical side of a person's mental health. And that can be all the time, not just when we're having breakdowns. But then yes, the coach, someone just just um, believes in you. And I think, especially in your case, one of the big ones was that we knew you had a really strong intuition of where you wanted to go. And uh, the office space was a perfect example where you were looking at a couple other spaces and they just didn't feel quite right. And one of the things I'm most proud of you about, and I hope you don't mind my sharing this, is just simply that you didn't force something that didn't feel right. Right. Um, do you have any thoughts around that? I mean, I, it's easier, of course, when we look back, but I, I do believe that the breadcrumbs kind of bring us to a place and you were really tuned in to what felt right and what didn't feel right. Um. My thoughts on that are, it was helpful to have you continue to remind me to trust my intuition and kind of trust the process because the all or nothing part of me would see that, well, this thing isn't right. So maybe the whole idea of a Verona office isn't right. And it was like, no, this is, this is part of the process. It's okay to, you know, have doors closed. It doesn't mean give up on your dream. Um, so maintaining in one hand that hope of that thing we're aspiring to, but not holding it so tightly that we're forcing it is, is an art that I think is really challenging in life because we know we want something, but when we're not there yet, um, it's easy to get discouraged by a door closing or by something not quite being the right fit. And I would say hold on to that hope and and maybe the timeline is expanded a little bit longer than, than you would like, um, but don't lose sight of the end goal. And in my case, um, at the time, it felt like the doors were closing and that um, I wouldn't be getting my office. I had set out a goal, I think, of nine months to a year um, to get it. And then there kept being hiccups in the process. And then all of a sudden, this beautiful space opened up and I moved in in November. So I actually moved in sooner than my goal. Um, but the way it felt was that it's getting to be too big of a mountain. I'm never going to be able to climb it. So just keep your eye on the prize, but don't, don't force the, it to happen. Cause it, it did come to me and, um, in the right place came to me that made it, it was seamless. Like it was just very, very easy. Um, once it came, but, uh, before that it, it certainly didn't feel like that was going to happen. I love that. I think, um, yeah, holding things loosely and sort of commitment to the process and not the out outcome 
so much easier said than done. Yeah. Um, and I was just so impressed by you and was just in awe of you the way we would check in and you'd run up against another closed door of sorts. And it was just this like, no, but I still have this conviction to bring this thing to life. And um, I think we all have that intuition, but so many of us have muted it based on social programming or people telling us at key points in our life that our gut was wrong or just learning to distrust ourselves or constantly seeking sort of that external source of approval or permission. Um, and this was a strong hell yes for you from the moment you mentioned it. And the other thing I was just so in awe of you about was um, for our listeners, they can't see you, but I mean, you're on the younger end of lawyers. You're, you're, a, young, you're a young female lawyer. And you have five male partners, and I don't know anything about them or their ages or anything, but I just imagine walking into a room of five partners and, and saying, I have this thing on my heart that I really feel is in the best interest of our business and um, and our staff, and I'd really like to see this thing through. That, that takes courage. Um, that is not a small task or undertaking. Do you feel that? Oh, it was terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. Um, yeah, I don't want to pretend like any of this was pretty because it wasn't. Like, I cried in the meeting. What all of my men, and then I'm crying. Like, that is ridiculous. And yet, that's life. Like, I have to accept my weaknesses as much as I hate it. Like, I just want to put on this polished mask and pretend like I have it all together. But I didn't. But I wouldn't be sitting here if I didn't like share my heart with them. I, if I kept pretending that I was okay, even though I wasn't, nothing would change. And so as embarrassing and uncomfortable as it was, I, I mean, it's totally worth it. And now they know more of me than, than they knew before. And um, yeah, I guess yeah, I don't want to pretend like it wasn't, it wasn't scary because it was. And I think that's where, where the coach comes in is that they can reassure you that even though it's scary, it's worth it. And, and I don't disagree with you on the power of coaching, having just been coached myself for a lot of years. Um, the comment I would make is, isn't it crazy how much we've been taught not to trust ourselves? Um, yeah. and, and yes, I believe in the power of coaching, uh, and isn't it insane that we need someone outside of ourselves to affirm kind of what we know to be true. Uh, I think that's just a really interesting reflection on our society and anytime you deviate from the norm at all, the amount of pushback that you get, and especially I think we women do suffer from more doubt and imposter syndrome than men in general do, um, yeah, I just wonder how many intuitive hits go unpursued because of the doubt that our social programming puts on us. Right, right. Knowing now what you know about your intuition, are you more inclined to follow it now? Now that you've seen how it's panned out? Yes. <laughs> and um, it's still a practice, right? Because of, like you said, social programming or just our natural default to to conform maybe to the people around us or to the world. Um, mm -hmm. So it's it's a constant 
check in with yourself and and practice paying attention to that nudge inside of us instead of um, pushing it aside or suppressing it. And I think as we learn that, we start to recognize, as you said, the check engine lights or the warning signs that, oh, something's not right. I better check in with myself. And hopefully, you know, that can happen before a total mental break. But at the same time, I'm I'm grateful. I'd rather be broke down and then brought to life than to be living <laughs> half asleep totally. in life. So um, totally. it's painful and it's beautiful. And scary and brave. And I would say, I think it's the reason why in our profession specifically, um, that Betty Ford study, it's back in 2016. So who knows what the stats have done since then, but one in three attorneys is, is a self confessed problem drinker. Um, there's a lot of substance abuse in this profession. And I think part of it is because we are a field of high achievers. Um, you don't typically see people that are getting D's and F's in college deciding to enroll in, in law school. You typically see all the straight A students in college coming to law school. And then that's a check for the ego, first of all, because only one person can be first in the class in law school. But but then just the suppression of that intuition and the gut and the signals that something's wrong with numbing behaviors. I think that's a real pattern in our profession. So that's why I really appreciate you sharing your story because it can save lives and get people back on track. Absolutely. And it's, it's just, it's nice to know that we can go that deep and that dark and, and there's still hope to come out the other side. So I do hope that anyone who's listening, if they're in a dark place to cling onto that hope and get help, um, there there can be a better more beautiful life on the other side in fact yeah it's scary as shit to strip it all down to the studs and start again Mm -hmm. Um, but there is usually a reason that those things signal um, inside of us throughout this process or now um, are there any books or podcasts or like things that you've just really enjoyed that have brought you hope or things that you fall back on um any practices or tips or just what, what would you love to share? Um, the five minute journal, is the uh-huh. good one. So uh, just did it this morning. I do, when I wake up, I have noticed that oftentimes I, I have this sense of I'm already behind the game, like lacking the perfectionism. It's just my default. And so I'd highly recommend the five minute journal where you write down what you're grateful for, um, set out, you know, three goals for the day and give yourself an affirmation. Um, because another one as an achiever is, it seems like no matter what I achieve in the day, the list, I've never achieved enough. Right. So coming, coming back and saying, okay, if I hit these three things, whether that be go for a walk or um, eat a delicious dinner or, you know, finish a legal brief, whatever it is, that's a success for the day. So I'd recommend doing that. And even this morning, um, it totally shifted my mindset from the, oh crap, I didn't get up as early as I wanted to mindset to, it can still be a good day. Like there's still things I can do. And, and, um, yeah, I got the whole day in front of me. So 
yeah, I'd recommend that one. I love that. And um, Danielle, we'll include in the show notes a way for people to reach you. But I did just want to shout out to the new Instagram account that you started for women. Um, Tell us what that's called, that handle. Yeah, it's Wellness Women Club is the handle. And I'm highlighting um, wellness in my own life and also hope to feature different women who are making a choice in their life to promote their own wellness. So hope to highlight, um, you know, I know some business owners, some coaches, different women that are doing things and thriving. Um, and you know, if you're a listener and you're doing something awesome, you're a woman, I want to highlight <laughs> what that is. Um, it's wellness women club cool. and that or wellness women on Instagram. I love it. Well, thanks for setting up that account and thanks for taking time out for us today, Danielle, and sharing your story. It's super powerful and I suspect a lot of people listening will relate to it. Um, And as I was reminded years ago, perfection is not relatable, uh, which is funny for those of us who try to be perfect is that that is not relatable. It's the stuff we're talking about here today that is relatable. This is the human Um, soup, as they say, that we're all in. And I really appreciate your candor and your vulnerability. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Maximum Enthusiasm with Megan Hopman. Subscribe, check out our blog, and learn more at MaximumEnthusiasm.com.